All right, praise the Lord. How's everybody doing? Good. All right. Um, let's see. When any of us uh, think of, and, and I'm going to kind of use a sports example here, Michael Jordan was so good that now it's like you're the Michael Jordan of doctor right. or you're the Michael Jordan of construction yeah, work. Exactly, right. I mean, you're like the best of the best. He, 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 he has penetrated our, our psyche in the mainstream so much that every time you mention his name, it's like, okay, it's, it's greatness. So if there's any preacher or any apostle that is like the one that we like, wow, it's Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is like, he's the man. He is like the he he is the 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 trendsetter the 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 bar setter. That's who we measure ourselves against. Um, and and Apostle Paul was somebody that God had a call on his life on that road to Damascus, and he changed the world literally. I mean, he pretty much evangelized Asia without the internet. Without, without the internet, you know, without any of that stuff. But this guy was responsible for taking the gospel to Asia and pretty much turning Asia Minor, if you want to call it, around to the Lord. Evangelized the whole area without the internet, without, without uh, satellite TV and all that stuff. And so when we, we look at Apostle Paul, we look at someone that Sister Glover, like, man, he had it together. You know, he was, man, I'm like, dude, to be mightily used by God to, to, to actually be caught up into the third heaven and, and basically the stuff that he's hearing is unlawful. To be said, it's unlawful. <laughs> you can't say it. It's, and and, and it's, it, Paul is, is, is so amazing. But yet he was like you and I. And so, I don't know if this is going to be the end of the God Chronicles, but I like to title this God Chronicles, The E to the O in the Household of Faith. The E to the O in the Household of Faith. If you turn your Bibles to Philippians 3, 4 through 6. Philippians 3. Four through six. And we understand that Philippians, what did I say? Yeah, three. Philippians is a book that Paul wrote while he was in prison in Rome. They call it the, one of the, the prison epistles. But Paul here is talking about his heritage and his lineage. And he says in verse 3, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. 
though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, I am a true Jew, of the tribe of Benjamin. This is Job's, this is, uh, not Job's, this is uh, Jacob's youngest son, Benjamin, from that tribe. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. Dude, I'm a Jew's Jew. That's what he's saying. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees were a select group during that time. They say they numbered roughly about 6,000. And they followed the law to the letter. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. Blameless. He said, when you look at that law of all the do's and do nots and everything, you cannot physically find anything wrong that I have ever done according to that law. My works are perfect. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. So we have here Paul saying that before my conversion, you couldn't find one thing wrong with me according to the law. So okay, you all you know what I say, Sierra. Throw it right here and hold it right there. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 11. We're all familiar with this, 22 and 28. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure, in prison more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day in the deep I have been. In journeys often, in pearls of water, in pearls of robbers, in pearls of my own countrymen, in pearls of the Gentiles, in pearls in the city, in pearls in the wilderness, in pearls in the sea. In pearls among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleepless often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside now all these things that I've gone through, and besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. All of that pearl, all of that physical abuse and everything. He said, above all of that, the daily anxiety, the daily concern I have for the church, for all the churches. Those he said, okay, we're we getting there. Let's go to the next chapter, Second Corinthians 12, let's go through 1 through 7. We're talking about this vision of paradise, what we talked about earlier. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who about 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. As I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. However, he was caught up into paradise, literally a garden, and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Uh, such is one I boast, yet of my Yet of myself I will not boast except, in my, except for my infirmities. 
And he talks about this, and then in verse 7 it says, And least, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So we have here a man that God gave such a detailed revelation to, that God says, so that your head, now this is God, because he's protected. Satan can't touch anybody that God only allows. God is saying, I'm going to allow the enemy to afflict you because this revelation is so great. And because I know you better than you know yourself, Tay-Tay, your head is going to get so big because of what I let you see. Think about that. Now, think about how God trusts Paul enough to allow him to see things that are unlawful to be spoken down here. Think about that. That God is like, dude, I'm going to show you things. And because they are so great, I'm going to allow Satan to bring a little affliction to you. Some people say it was a mind thing. I think it was his eyesight, but it doesn't matter. But God allowed it to be a thorn in his flesh. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. This is his first book that he wrote, or first letter. 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Another familiar passage. Now, one of the things that Paul had to deal with with his first letter writing to the Thessalonians was they were very concerned about those that had died in the Lord. And so Paul has to address this. And so, now remember now, this is the first letter he's written. Okay. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brother, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. He's saying this is coming directly from the word. This is coming from God. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I'm telling you to comfort each other. Though your uncle that died, he died in the Lord. He's going to rise again. He's not lost in he's not lost in purgatory and all that stuff. He is going to rise again. Comfort each other, because they were dealing with man. My uncle, I don't. This Christian thing is kind of new. What, what's what's happening? And he's like, I'm going to comfort you with these words directly from God. Okay. Now let's go to Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter one. Verses 1 through 5. No, that's not right. Yeah. Hold on. I was writing down so much stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. Here we are. Sorry, verse 3. 
We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abound toward each other, for that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all persecution and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flame and fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These saints shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Let's go to Second Thessalonians 2. And let's start in verse 3. Now we can start in verse 1. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1. Now, brother, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as it, as it from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away, we talked about the great falling away, comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, literally the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? things. So, I read all these scriptures. I hope you guys are still with me. To lay a foundation. Now, this scripture that we just read, he's talking about the Antichrist, and he's talking about how he's going to set up his throne. And basically, we know during the tribulation, the church will be gone, but it's going to be seven years of peace, and in a in the in in three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to break that peace, and he is going to set himself up in the temple in Jerusalem because they're going to build a new temple as a god. And he's going to force the Jews to worship him as a god. Now, Paul is explaining this to the church in Thessalonica, and this is roughly, they say, about 45, 50 A.D., now, John gets the full revelation of the book of Revelations in 90 A.D., 40 years later. So I'm saying all I have to say this. The things that God revealed to Paul were so intimate that Paul is talking about the Antichrist right here and showing that he's going to set himself up at the throne before John even talks about it 40 years later. So Paul, Sister Glover, was the man. And we look at Paul and we're like, this dude was so close to God, what did he lack? Or what did he need? 
I'm going to show you. And this is going to be the crux of where we're going to go tonight. Let's go to Philippians 2. And thank you for your patience. But we're going to get there. Philippians 2, 25 through 30. Yet I consider it necessary to send it to you, Epiditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, not only mercy on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I send him the more eagerly that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. New King's Version says high regard. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in you in your service toward me. Epiditus is only mentioned here and in chapter 4, verse 18. Only time we ever hear about Epiditus. And a lot of people believe that he was actually the pastor of the, uh, the church in Philippi because this is the first church established in Europe. All Gentile church. And so Epiditus comes to Rome to bring an offering to Paul. Now, Paul is under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman guard, but he's able to have liberty and all that stuff. But you're talking about a man, Paul, who's used to being out there taking the gospel to the world. But because he wanted to appeal to Caesar, he's in this, he's, he's still in prison, he's under house arrest, and he's still chained to a Roman guard. And so his, his freedom is severely limited. And a lot of times we think that Paul was just in this glorified state of spiritual heaviness, just writing, spitting these epistles out. And angels are sitting on his lap and he's doing all this stuff. But here is a man that wants to go out and preach the gospel, yet he's limited because he's under house arrest. And you cannot tell me, no matter how mightily used Paul was, he was a man that had needs that needed to be ministered to. And so, Epiditus, here he comes. And he's bringing an offering, but he's not just bringing an offering, he's bringing hope to Paul. He's bringing something that Paul needs, fellowship. He's bringing something. He's bringing a word to the Lord. Pastor and I both know, I don't care how good you can preach, I need to be preached too. I need to hear the word of God too. And you have Paul not getting nothing, uh, surrounded by all this paganism and all this Roman stuff. But yet and still, Epiditus shows up to bring him not just offering but to bring uh a a a bring what word I'm looking for to bring to minister to him excuse me to minister unto him and Paul is at a place where he needs fellowship he needs fellowship 
And no matter how big and bad we think Paul is, he's still a man that has flesh and blood. He's still a man that needs a word from the Lord himself. He's Sister Lenny, he's still a man that needs to hear some hymns sung to him. He's a man that needs it, and Epaphroditus is bringing it to him. And because Epaphroditus is sold out, he becomes sick. He becomes sick, almost unto death. And Paul says, but God had mercy on him. Not only, and the Bible does not say that he was miraculously healed. It just says God had mercy from him and he recovered from his sickness, girls. Because Paul said it wasn't just mercy for him. It was for me or come my sorrow be upon sorrow. And Paul is saying God loves me enough. Even all the things, all the revelation that I got, he cares about my basic needs of human fellowship with those alike precious faith. Let me tell you something. I need you, Sister Moore. I need you, Sister Linda. I need you, girls. I can't make it to heaven without you. You can't make it to heaven without me. We need each other. And God is saying, no matter how great Paul is, I'm going to still minister to all of his needs because he needs them. We think Paul is out there dunking a basketball, scoring 40 all the time. This is a man that needed a word from the Lord. And Epaphroditus brought it to him. He brought it to him. And in his, in his zest and his zeal to bring the word, he falls sick. Almost to death. And he gets back to the church in Philippi. And they're worried. Because that's their, in some, in some readings, that's their pastor. That's what Paul, the first, previous uh, verses he sent, I'm sending Timothy to you. So we have Aphroditus, whose name literally means lovely. Lovely. I'm not just bringing a financial blessing. I'm bringing hope to you, Paul. I'm bringing hope. And may I go out on a limb and say this. That this is the first imprisonment of Paul where he wrote four epistles. But may it be that if, if Epaphroditus did not bring that hope, we might not have seen other letters. Because Paul might have just drowned in his sorrow. But because God saw, I feel the Holy Ghost, because God saw the need of this man of God. He said, Paul, you're not too high, you're not too low, but I see a need. I'm sending you a messenger. I'm sending you a preacher to preach to your soul. Even when you're changed and you're changed to this Roman God, I'm still going to bring the word to your soul because you still got more work to do. Don't you tell me what God won't do through his word. All of us have examples. When we came through those doors and we just, I need a word from the Lord. I need something from you. And your pastor sits there and preaches directly to your soul. Because God says, I care for you. I care for you. Stop thinking about all the great things I've done. I care for you. And I know what you have need of before you even ask. And I'm going to meet that need because I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Because of the work of Christ, he came close to death. Not regarding his life. To supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Paul is not talking about the offering. He's like, I needed fellowship. I needed a word from the Lord. I needed something. In the first church, they had men and women called gamblers. 
And they were people that the, 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 word, the Greek word that they, usually, they use is for not regarding one's life. And these people would go into the bad parts of town, Sister, Sister Moore. They would, they would deal with the dead bodies. They would, when, 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 when people were throwing dead bodies on the street because of plague, they would be the ones that would bury them. And this is what they say Aphrodite was, part of that sect of people. They didn't have any barriers. They, they saw a need, and they just automatically just committed their life to it. And you see in Epiditis, I see this need. Oh, I'm, 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 I might just get out there. I'm pretty sure Epiditis was in a church, church service praying. And God said, I got you. I'm giving you a word from my Paul. And he's like, who am I? You talking about Paul. You talking about the Jordan of apostles. And God is saying, no, Epiditis, he needs a word from me. He needs a word from me. I don't care how much he's done. He still needs a word because I'm still his God. I'm still his savior. I'm still everything to him. And I'm taking this word to give to you so that you can impart to him because he had many other letters to write to my people. God's going to meet you where you are. And you better remember that. Whether you're in prison or not, he's going to meet that need. Lovely. I'm bringing lovely to you. I'm bringing lovely. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So, this is Paul in his first imprisonment. Let's turn to Second Timothy. Chapter 1. Verses 16 through 18. Now this is the last letter that Paul wrote before his death. He writes it to his son in the gospel, Timothy. And he says, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Oniphorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed on my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, now this is Paul, he got out of jail for about two years, and then he was rearrested. But this time, girls, he wasn't under house arrest. He was thrown in a dungeon, Sister Linda, a dungeon that only light he's had was a little hole where they dropped down food. And I'm pretty sure the rats and the mice and everything were just having a good old time down there. So he is in a dungeon, and he knows the time for his departure is nigh. And he says, Lord, grant mercy to the house of Oniphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Paul is pretty much saying, the books say, that he had been deserted by so many. He had been deserted by so many. And people talking about him. This is your Paul. This is all this stuff. He had been deserted. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. He didn't know where Paul was. He didn't know what dungeon Paul was. He couldn't just go up to the Roman guard and be like, where's this guy Paul at? But he diligently, because he had a word from God for Paul, I'm here to tell you, no matter if you're in a house arrest, chained to a guard, or if you're in a dungeon with no slither of light, God is going to meet your need. And he gave Paul the strength. He gave Paul the courage to finish this letter. 
He said, I fought a good fight. I'm ready to receive my crown. But in order for Paul to be able to echo those words, he needed an Oniferous to bring him hope. He needed an Oniferous to meet that need. God is going to meet your need wherever you are. We look at Paul and we say, oh, he was so mighty, he didn't need anything. Yes, he did. He needed a word from the Lord. Oh, we see that how mightily Paul was used. And we see that this man needs a word. And I'm just going to be maybe just a little too blunt. And you got people after the powerful service we had on Sunday. Don't even show up on Tuesday. There might be some things, that, oh, I got stuff going on, but I'm trying to tell you, when you need a word from the Lord, me and this man can tell you, when we started preaching, we didn't know nothing. You went before, you went, by, went far away, you went in your room, and you just said, God, I need a word. God, you got to, if you don't give me something, I'm just going to stand up there like a, like a, like a statue, because I don't have anything when God would bless us. I'm trying to tell you, when you need a word from the Lord, God is going to give it to you. Paul needed a word, and God said, here it is. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. It says, the Lord granted him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me. In so many ways. Sister Glover, this is just me. I believe... Oniferous asked the Roman God, hey, can I just sit at the top of the dungeon? I'm not going to give him anything he needs. I'm pretty sure, okay. And I'm pretty sure he just sat there in his song songs to Paul. I'm pretty sure he just sat there and Sister Linda just preached down to Paul. Think about it. Just sit there all the day long. And Paul would be like, you still there? I'm still here, Paul, because God has given me an oath for me to be with you, to minister you. I don't care about what's going on with me because I diligently, I went all around Rome calling your name, Paul, Paul, Paul. But God gave me the direction to find you. I'm not leaving you. If I could go get my head cut off, I would do it. But God has given me a position. Let me tell you something. God will put a man of God in your life to save you. You better thank God for this man. You better lift him up in prayer. God has given you a man that's going to stand with you to test the time. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. He ministered to me. Minister to me. Oh, this wasn't the first time that he did that. He said the ways he's ministered to me at Ephesus as well. Think about that. This guy. I would say maybe he was Paul's personal minister. I don't know. Bible doesn't say it. But God was like, my man Paul needs a word. We like this dude dropping forty in his sleep. He don't need no help. This dude out here, man, this dude up in the third heaven, chilling. This dude's out here. This, um, this guy has a testimony. The, the, the demon said, I know Jesus and I know Paul. I don't know you. 
Think about that. The demons are like, hey, we know Paul. We didn't battle that dude too many times. We know him. This dude has that type of testimony. But you see when he gets frail. You see when he's in a dungeon. You see when he's chained to a guard. I'm telling you, when that flesh starts to get weak, God is going to send you a deliverer. God's going to send you a way maker. God's going to send you somebody that has a word. It might not be a full sermon. It might be in the name of Jesus. Receive your strength. In the name of Jesus, he will be there with you. I'm trying to tell you, when you come into the house of the Lord, God has a word for your soul. Oh, I feel Lord. Oh, we just don't know who we're dealing with when we're talking about our Jesus Christ. We just don't know. A lot of times we think, I just, you just don't care about me. Just don't care. But let me tell you something. Paul said, everybody left me. Everybody left me. I'm by myself in this dungeon with rats and mice and everything else. And I'm, 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 they weren't, Sister, Sister Linda, they weren't dropping down filet mignon to him. They, they weren't dropping down Brother Dunn's barbecue to him. You know, he wasn't even like, mm, boy, this, mm, this, is un, this, is, this, is, this is not of this world. And I'm joking. <laughs> they weren't dropping that stuff down to him. They were probably dropping down pieces of stale bread. They were dropping down nothing to, to keep his strength up. You're talking about somebody that, is, and I'm pretty sure, let me tell you something. Can I just be Paul for a second? Everything that I've done, all the stripes on my back, all the shipwreck, all the stuff, and this is, this is, this is where I am? This is my reward? God, this is all the things that I remember John the Baptist. Do we seek you or someone else? I'm your cousin. I've been out there preaching in a desert and I'm stuck in this prison. Paul, Paul is probably saying the same thing. All look at these whelps on my back, the rods, the punishment, the punches, all the stuff I've taken for your kingdom. And I'm in this little two by four dungeon with no sunlight, just a little piece of stale bread. But oh, I'm trying to tell you, Onifris is up there. Paul, you've already finished. Finished a good fight with the Lord. You get ready to close your eyes. I got a word for you, Paul. God has seen everything, seen and unseen that you have done. All the prayers that the Bible does not, that does not, does not talk about. All the little things that you've done. I'm here to tell you that all is well. Every all the things that you've done for me, God remembers. And I'm here to let you know, if it's time for you to close your eyes, you will open them up in glory. If it's time for you to leave this earth, you will open your eyes and be with me. I'm here to bring you hope, Paul. I'm here to let you know that everything that you preach, everything that you wrote, is true. Oh, that's why I hold one of the guys that we hold in great honor, Brother N.A. Urshan. One of his favorite sayings was, buy that truth and sell it not. Buy it and sell it not. You better hold on to that truth. This word is true. You better let those scriptures comfort you. You better know. Buy that truth and sell it not. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Paul was a man mightily used by God. But he was not above receiving a word from the Lord. The E to the O in the household of faith. Two different times in his life, God used men that we don't even think about. We don't even think about them. And God was like, I use these men. 
Let me tell you, girl, something. Don't you don't you limit yourself. Oh, I can only do this. You don't know what God's going to use you to say. You don't know what God's jasmine to. You don't know what God's going to do to say for you to say something that's going to change somebody's life. You don't know all the times that you sit up there and I tease the girls a lot. Sister Glove, I'm back there. I got tears in my eyes sometimes when I see your girls playing because I see parents that are investing in eternal rewards. And those girls could be doing any other thing, but they're up here praising and giving God some glory. I'm here to tell you that's because God is building and building and building in you because there's going to come a time when all of that anointing that you have is going to be spewed out to touch somebody's life. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we just don't know what type of God we have. So, Paul said, I'm not going to boast, but I am going to boast. So Brother Dunn is not trying to boast, but he is going to boast. So in reading and prep for this, I read in 1 Timothy how Paul said, Timothy, you need to stir up that gift that you have. And I said, and let me give you background to this. Yesterday, came home. It was a long day. Um, Janice says, I'm going to bed. Me and Rocket, that's the new dog. He, he, he just sits, he gets, he's right there. And me and him out there on the couch. It's knocked out. I woke up. Three o'clock. I, let you, I don't sleep much. I'm all. I'm up. Just up all the time. I go into the room. Put Rocket in Jasmine's room. Sister Glover. I go in my room. Take my contacts out. I lay down. And normally, like I said, I, the old Albert, when I couldn't sleep, I would get up. I'd get on YouTube. I'd start. That 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 Albert is slowly dying. So, Tate, I just opened up my word and I started reading. I don't have my glasses on, so I'm squinting and all that stuff, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm getting it. And I, I come across this. Paul says, stir up that gift. And so I said, God, that prophetic gift for me, stir it up. I haven't asked you to stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Instantaneously. Instantaneously. Now, Jan is asleep. You know what he told me, Sister Moore? He said, your boys' names are on my mind. Your boys' names are on my mind. And every name that was here on Sunday is on my mind. Hey! It goes it gets a little bit better. Now, the pulpit is right here. I've told you years ago, there's a gateway to heaven right here. And then God says, when you're facing the people, what part of your body is that? The right hand, my power and anointing. All of these people are underneath a covenant of my power and anointing. And they are on my mind. I'm here to tell you on a prophetic voice that, God, we did something on Sunday that shook the foundations of heaven. We did something. And God is saying, what you did has put those kids on my mind. You know what I did? 
It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I got downstairs, Sister Moore, and I was running around my basement praising God, speaking in tongues, screaming. My wife didn't hear me, but I was saying, stir that gift up in me. I got more, but God is saying, everyone that was here on Sunday, it's on my mind. You know how many times, Sister Glover, God has shook me at 3 in the morning. Go pray. I'm like, ah, oh, that ain't God. But not last night or this morning. 3 in the morning. I'm running around downstairs. I went over to Kendall's pitch and I grabbed it. I said, in the name of Jesus. I grabbed Isaiah's pitch and I said, in the name of Jesus. And God has said, they're on my mind now. Because... Stir up that gift. Stir it up. I can preach good. I can teach good. But God knows what's on my heart. And he said, I'm going to give you a word that's going to seal your soul in truth. I'm going to give you something for you to hold on. What you went through wasn't just emotions on Sunday. It was something prophetic that moved me. That moved me. Three in the morning. And I spent so much energy this morning. I was late to work because <laughs> I was dead tired. <laughs> but that's okay. I, sometimes I forget I'm the boss. I can make my own schedule sometimes. <laughs> if I want to come in at 10 o'clock, I ain't coming at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Amen. Right. But I'm here to tell somebody, God, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Yeah. Stop thinking about what God can't do and think about what he will do. What he will do. What he will do. We see that Paul, almost 40 years before, is talking about the Antichrist and setting himself up in the temple before John even got that revelation. That's how mightily used he was of God. But Sister Moore got to a point where he needed a word from the Lord. Needed a word from the Lord. And I'm here to tell somebody today, we started something. We started something. And because of me, we, the church, the church, the church started something. We got God's attention. We got his attention. Little old connect point. Not even running 50. But we got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Attention. As I, as, as I bring this to a close, you want to know the last word that he gave me? You know what he said? I don't know what you're preaching on Sunday. But he said, what you preach on Sunday is going to change this congregation forever. No pressure. He's going to get seek God. No pressure. But that's what God told me. He said, you better not miss it on Sunday because your pastor is going to preach something I'm like, dude, I'm going to get my popcorn ready. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be, matter of fact, the whole, me and my wife probably going to be sitting right there on it because I'm not going to miss that. When God tells me something like that, that's what he told me. 3 o'clock, 3.30 this morning, I'm running around, and God is giving me all this revelation. I said, stir up that gift. Because, you know, a lot of times we get this false humility. Oh, I just want to. No, I'm being boastful. 
I'm being boastful. I know what my calling is. I know what his calling is. I'm being boastful. Stir up that gift. Stir up that gift. Stir up that gift. It's time for us to not be all uh, uh, shamefacedness and, and, and trying to just false humility at the world. Says, oh, in order for you to be really used by God, you just got to put your head down. No, no. You see, Paul, Paul, Paul was like, I got people dying out of windows, falling asleep because I preached so long. You think that stopped him? You think he started getting a watch? Like, oh, I need to watch this time. I'm still going to preach long. I'm still going to do it because I'm preaching eternity from heaven down here on earth. He's a way maker. He's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. And when I don't think that he's working, he never stops. He never stops. He never stops. Think about that. He never stops. He never stops working. Paul's in a dungeon or the house of rest. But God has a man of God ready to bring the word down. People that we don't... When was the last time you heard somebody preach about Ephroditus? Never. Never. We look like, oh, you can't even pronounce those. Let me just more. I sat there at, at, at home last, well, when my wife was asleep, I put my earbuds in, and I'm sitting up there listening to the, um, the, listening to the pronunciation of these names, because I'm like, I don't want to get up there and sound stupid, and I still can't say them right. Oh, that's why I said the E to the O. I am not even going to mess around with that. What I'm trying to tell you. God will use somebody that's hungry for him to bring a word. I told you guys a story. Some is a sacrifice, the first one. I go there. You know, I'm, I'm young. I'm energetic. Just the more I get, I'm sitting on the front row. Bob Euchre, the front row. I'm sitting on the front row. Next thing I know, somebody taps me. Hey, um, you mind, can these two ladies sit here? It was Sister Urshan and Sister Teclamarian. Both of them. And I'm like, I'm not jumping up because of who they are. That's my duty. They're older women. You're supposed to do that, right? I didn't think I got up, you know, sat somewhere else and everything. So then they start calling people up for prayer. I told you guys the story a thousand times. They got all these prophets up there, Morton Busted, all those guys. And his little old unnamed brother Dunn from Blackshear's Church and everything. They's like, they need to uh, uh, let, let the ministers pray for you. This couple comes up, they're looking at me like, oh, he's not, I don't even know who that dude is. Sister Moore, as soon as I lay hands on them, God just let me read all their mail. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this. When you have a call and a word from God, it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. God's going to use that vessel to set somebody free. You keep on getting all these big names. Oh, we can't have a great conference unless so-and-so preach. Y'all keep on believing that stuff. But oh, here in the old connect point, we have got God's attention. So when your pastor throws down on Sunday, just be prepared to be changed. I, I have, me and my pastor said, me and him don't talk about preaching or anything like that. I just know what God told me. He said, I'm giving your pastor a word that's going to change. It's going to be a game changer. I, I, I'm like, okay. You got Jordan over here. I guess he's going to go for 70 now. You know, he usually drops 40. But I am so excited about what God is moving. 
all because people of those of like precious faith are in one mind, one accord, and we're all just like God. We're ready to change Spokane. We ain't worried about numbers. We ain't worried about all we know. The two souls went down last Sunday. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. But we got to believe that. Buy the truth and sell it not. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word.